0: Welcome to the Holy Healthy Mama podcast. I'm Kristen Noriega, your host, a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and fellow Christian mom. I provide moms with practical, uncomplicated solutions so you can feed yourself and your family with confidence and lean into an active lifestyle. I'm on a mission to make health the standard, and I believe it starts in the family with mom at the core. So whether you're filled with holy guacamole, the Holy Spirit, or have no idea what either of those are, I've got you covered, friend. Thanks for listening. Hey, friend. Thanks for making it back here to Holy Healthy Mama. I'm really excited to bring this interview to you today. It's with Melissa Landry at no.more.guilt on Instagram. She is all about empowering women who are in bigger bodies. And this is relevant for a lot of us moms because after you have a child, your body's not the same in any shape or fashion. It's just different. And she has a powerful message, and I can't wait for you to hear it. But first, let's start with our moment of encouragement. St. Catherine of Siena said... Be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. So moms, let's set this world on fire. Here we go with the interview. Okay, good morning. Today we have Melissa Landry. She is going to do an interview. Um, she Let me just start out by reading her bio. Melissa Landry is a registered dietitian and lifestyle coach specializing in food freedom for women in bigger bodies. Melissa shows her clients how to ditch their lifetime struggle with body image, on-again, off-again dieting, binges, and emotional eating so they can live life without food guilt. Melissa's online private practice, Mission Nutrition, is based out of Boston, Massachusetts, where she lives with her husband, Dave, and fur baby, Lucy. Melissa is not a mom yet, but her mission is to create a world where her future children can grow up feeling free to experience mental, emotional, and physical well-being no matter their weight or size. So I love that and I i know you're not a mom and that's totally cool because you want to create a world where your future children can grow up, you know, loving themselves and I think being a big, being a mom, that you probably work with a lot of moms. Do you work with moms?
1: Yeah. So my practice is split. I do some one-to-one work and I also come from a background working in family nutrition. So I work with parents who have some concerns about how their kids are eating and that paired with their own stuff around their bodies and food can be super complicated. So I do what's called parent coaching with them to kind of straddle that, that concern. So they have space for themselves and for their kids, which I'm sure you know is a hard, <laughs> hard line to, to walk through. Can you tell me a little bit more
0: about parent coaching? That's a really cool idea.
1: Yeah. So I originally started my work in a weight management clinic um, at a Boston teaching hospital for kids who are struggling with their weight. And you know, part of the reason I don't do that anymore, and I kind of worked toward food freedom, which we can talk about what that means and what are some of the, the outcomes of that, was because it is really hard to get a parent and their kids in the same room. And the dynamics there can prevent parents and kids from really connecting. Um, So, for example, parents have a lot of fear about what it means to be in a bigger body, maybe because they themselves were in a bigger body and went through bullying or different struggles around that, just as my mom did growing up. And she's one of my inspirations. Um, or maybe they have never been in a bigger body, but like most of us have grown up in a culture that has said that thinness is the ideal and we must organize all our eating and movement behaviors around creating that. So it creates a tough dynamic for parents, um, you know, when they feel this way to have conversations with their kids, um, that aren't coming from a place of their stuff and so what i did was create a space where parents can come and talk honestly about their fears away from their kids so we can create an action plan that represents the best interest of the child and the parent who's going through their own journey around food and body image
0: wow that's awesome do you feel like it's well received for the parents who do participate yeah. in the program?
1: so parents who are coming to me are wanting this level of service there's a part of them that knows they there's having this conversation in front of their kids is not you know, feeling comfortable for them. So I tend to to draw in that parent. But I do have parents that um, aren't there yet. They they are still feeling that putting their kid on a diet is going to make the most sense. Um, so usually I talk with them about some of the concerns that might be there and some of the things that could happen as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody comes from a different place, and you have to be really valuing the the work that we're doing.
0: Right, and so. Since this episode is one of my earlier ones, I probably have not yet covered the concept of dieting for kids. And I think mm-hmm. we should caveat yeah. and say real quick that neither of us would recommend putting your kid on a diet, right? Could you agree with Correct. that? And Correct. you want to say why?
1: So there's a lot of reasons why this you know, would not be recommended. One is a physical reason that kids are growing you know, in some periods of their life, they're doubling, tripling their body weight and they need calories and nutrition to to do that in a way that is optimized for their genetics. And the other reason is that we know that the risk of eating disorders goes up when people are placed on diets, especially at an early age. There's biological reasons for that and there's mental and emotional reasons for that. And so um, ultimately you get a child who can navigate the world it's more some some of it's preventing harm, but it's also giving them a chance to experience joy around food, which I definitely think is a separate skill and one that's that's primary for me in my work.
0: So that was a little off topic here. I didn't prep you for that. No, that's
1: okay. I love talking about this, and you know, it's all interconnected. I think that um, we are, we're all connected. Our our relationship to ourselves and our bodies, how we present in the world, is a result of the way we feel impacts others. My work really, I want individuals to stop suffering so they don't make other people suffer and we all have the freedom <laughs> to... Are you talking to about be being hangry? <laughs> hangry, um, you know, and, and there are some mental health that, things that can go on when we're really in our own head about all that we're doing wrong about food all day long. Right, And that means you're not, you know, maybe the bandwidth isn't there to be as present as a mom or in your career or in your community because there is worry and tension and, and a lot of negative feelings that can stir up all day
0: yeah it goes it's twofold you can have all those feelings around and about your kids as well as yourself and so mm-hmm. now I'm gonna say let's back up just a second here so we can learn mm-hmm. a little bit more about how you got where this passion came from how did you get to this point yeah. in your career what's going on with you?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. So, you know, when I think about my story, there's sort of a, a, a personal element and then there's like a professional element that came together for me. Um, I actually started wanting to be a registered nurse, Kristen. That was like my dream. I really wanted to help people. I saw myself as a, a great problem solver and, you know, when people are in trouble, I could get in there and help and nursing jumped out at me at, what are we, like 17 when we decided. <laughs> we're gonna do it the rest <laughs> yeah. of our lives um then one day I'm watching that show ER um, which is no longer on the air I don't think but and I'm watching a scene and like there's blood gushing am going I'm gonna I'm gonna get sick this is so stressful so I decided that that was <laughs> Um, And so you have a nutrition course and I love the idea of preventing problems before they started. I love the science of nutrition and how food breaks down and then builds up our bodies. And I just fell in love with that. So it was a a very easy transition to make. Um, And so my first job out, out of school was working in weight management. And like many of us, you know, you take... You take work that calls to you, but also you take work that you can, you can get in the beginning. Maybe. And yeah. exactly. And this was an excellent job. I was at a Boston teaching hospital. I was really excited about that. I was working with researchers and I had a chance to write weight management interventions. So when we read those research studies in the paper, I was the one teaching and counseling the individuals within those studies. And I also worked in the clinic down the street. And I was noticing that what we were doing in the research studies looked nothing like what was happening in the clinic. Mm -hmm. And throughout that time, I got a chance to see some of the problems with weight management interventions. Even our best stuff leaves a lot of people behind and does cause some difficulties. Um, So that was sort of the professional lean where I just wasn't feeling comfortable with a lot of the um, what we would call standard of care which prioritizes weight loss above all in a lot of of these patients. Um, Over time, I did start to get more into more general holistic coaching, intuitive eating, and go through trainings for that. And some dots started to connect about my mom. And this is where the personal part of the story comes in. Um, My mom's in a bigger body, and she has always been in a bigger body. If you look at pictures of her, she was a bigger little girl, And it was really hard for her because this was not the 50s and 60s at that time where there was not a lot of the Internet wasn't there. Right. How did parents communicate stigma and all of these norms around thinness were just perpetuated. And we came from an Italian-American family. They had a lot of ideals for her. And I think in in school, this was perpetuated, which really made her self-image difficult to manage caused her to start dieting early in life and through her life she continued to weight cycle yo-yo and has faced a lot of discrimination because of her size and so it was a very natural thing for me having gone through the traditional model and seen some of the failures and the gaps thinking of her story and how she can experience health even though she's in a bigger body without weight loss and really centering my practice around that work going forward
0: i love that i love the. Professional side and the personal side, and they Mm -hmm. match really well. So it sounds like you're probably working right where you need to be,
1: you know. Yes, I think so. And it feels a lot better. I think I've always been skilled, you know, in people who, in these weight loss interventions, there's people who can like do it in, um, I'm air quoting, in the beginning, where <laughs> and I'm they tend to, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're, they're, they're doing it in the beginning, but there's always folks who are struggling with these protocols. And I always wondered why I was always really good at working with these people who were like, I'm doing the things that, that you're telling me and it's not working. So just the switch and model over toward intuitive eating and food freedom is for this person who has tried to lose weight many times their lived experience says it does not work for them and they're not stuck that's that's an okay place to be you can still move forward and find health and well-being
0: awesome okay so you just said that key word that we're gonna talk about food freedom what is Mm -hmm. food freedom
1: so I don't recall the first time I heard the phrase food freedom, to be honest with you. I don't know that was anything we ever learned in our training, did we? (laughs) It wasn't a a chapter in a book about it. Mm -mm, Uh, What this term means, and it I think stems a lot from the eating disorder recovery community. Uh, When we start to develop a healthier relationship with food, we're, we're going to start to see certain things happen. So one, we're going to see the removal of guilt around choices and shame around choices. That would be kind of step one in the process of food freedom. But ultimately, food freedom means that you can show up to a place, make a choice, optimize the joy and satisfaction you're getting from food, and see that as a part of your whole experience rather than the driving force.
0: Okay, so... You, it's like enjoying and being present, kind of being there mm-hmm. for everything, not just the calories, the diet on the yeah. part. It's more the big picture.
1: Yeah, like where you are. You know, the, we recognizing we eat for all sorts of reasons. Nutrition is one of those reasons. Um, we eat for emotion. We eat for celebration. We eat for ritual and, and socializing and. A lot of times people who are stuck in a dieting mindset don't get to fully express those aspects of their eating because the rules say, I can't be in that space right now. So food freedom lets that back in.
0: Okay. I love that. And speaking of mindset, one of the things that you I've seen on your um, Instagram is all foods fit. Mm-hmm. And can you? how do all foods fit? How's that possible? Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, we all have a right to eat whatever we want. I think that that gets lost in translation when you, when you you know walk by the magazines at the grocery store and everyone's talking about the various diets that they're on. It almost feels like it's normal to restrict and cut foods out. That that's the the way. That's the default almost. So I want to remind everyone that we all have a choice in what we eat. Um, the All Foods Fit mindset allows you to come from a place of permission so given that given that you can eat whatever you want, how do you feel right now? What are the values that you hold? Um, are they nutrition? are they connecting with your child over an ice cream? are they you know being in a party without worry? And with that mindset then you can exercise in food freedom. If you come from the other way of I can't I can't, I can't you're not able to answer those questions and organize in a food way, food in a way that feels effortless and maintainable.
0: Hmm. Okay. So it's how you approach it. I like that. Now, how do you mesh these, these freedom and all foods fit concepts with health and a healthy diet and like fitting in some of the nutrient dense things? Where do those merge?
1: So This is the number one question that I hear when you're like, well, all foods fit because what happens first? You feel a little bit afraid, right? Because what if I did that? Would I lose control? Would I only eat uh, pizza and and cookies for the rest of my life? Those are my favorite foods. Um, So one, I want to address that fear that the reality is, is if you gave yourself permission to eat those foods, you may favor them in the beginning, but like anything, you have what's called habituation over time. Those exciting foods become normal and you're able to incorporate them in a way that doesn't feel so out of control. So just one piece I always like to say is that people have fear of all foods fit because they think they can't self-regulate, and that's not true. We see that happen with the skills of intuitive eating. With regard to a healthy diet, this doesn't disregard nutrition. It just expands the definition of health outside the physical alone. So nutrition it really speaks to our physical health, right? The, the breakdown on those foods to build back up this body we're in. But there's also mental, emotional, spiritual, and social health. And so when we have the all foods fit mindset, we're not saying that the physical health is the most important thing. We say it's as important as all those different types of health.
0: Okay, I love that. That, did that
1: blow you away? Because as nutritionists, we're trained to think that like nutrition is the most important thing we could ever, ever <laughs> accomplish.
0: I I think it's kind of the way that a lot of us actually live our lives. It's like nutrition that's is like a piece of it. And if we can help others see that, then that's sort of mm-hmm. our underlying mission for at least me and you, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's interesting once people can start to enjoy it and think of it in that new mindset that you're talking about yeah pretty awesome and I like how you said habituation will normalize the foods so mm-hmm. don't be afraid and any of you listeners any of you moms who are out there you're like god I love cake so much wait you can't eat your cake yes enjoy yes. it and it'll just be normal <laughs> it'll be just a part of your life mm-hmm.
1: And these are skills that you develop over time. So a lot of the women I work with have been dieting for years and years. My average client is anywhere between 30 and 40. And I ask them, I see about 16 years on average, which is at least half their life, right? That's bananas, right? When you think about how much time you've been in this one mindset, it's going to take time to unlearn that and reconnect back to your body, which is able to know when you're hungry, know when you're full, know how food tastes. And you've got your values, you know what they are. So there are time that you need time to really settle into that too.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you for explaining that thoroughly for us. And I hope that that resonates with a lot of um, listeners out there. Now, what impact do you think that food freedom can have on the family unit? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, as a role model for children, I see a lot of pros. I could list a bunch right now. Are there any cons? Can you, how does that work in the family?
1: I think if mom or dad have concerns about weight, it's going to make food freedom really difficult to implement because the idea that we have the ability to self-regulate isn't always believed by a lot of people. So if you are you don't believe that your child's body is able to grow naturally using the foods you provide that they have skills to listen to their bodies it's not so much a con it's just going to make this process a little bit a little bit more difficult for you mm-hmm. and for that i would recommend you know really reading into ellen satter's books Um, child of mine is, is one that starts with little babies all the way up to toddlers and child age children, where she explains a lot of the research and the background on this. Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of us are told we do need to, kids can't control themselves and we do need to, um, regulate a lot of their, their behaviors when in actuality we can take a little bit less, uh, pressure. We can put a little bit less pressure on ourselves there in yeah. terms of how we approach food. So not so much a con, but maybe a caveat <laughs> to yeah. Yeah. how this works.
0: Right. I'll have to link to that, sh- that book in the show notes because I'm actually not familiar with it. So
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what she essentially says is that parents have a responsibility and kids have a responsibility. And parents decide uh, what's being served, when it's being served, and where it's being eaten. That's the rules that you get to set as a parent. And kids get to decide whether or not they eat and how much they eat of that food presented, and that's really hard for parents because there's a lot of fear of: are they getting enough? Are they getting too much? Some, and it all stems to healthy growth. Are they going to grow too big or too small? So that's what I mean about the fear of a a child's body to be able to regulate its own weight. They've got these little cues. If they're not eating, it's there's probably a reason. And as long as you keep presenting in the same way on the what, where, when side it does tend to work out.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Like with my kids, um, sometimes they won't be eating and I Mm -hmm. have this fear and I'm like, well, they're not going to grow if they don't eat. You know, it's it's inherent. It's ingrained. There's nothing I can do about that fear. And so, you know, it's maybe one or two days and then I'll come down with being sick and I'm like, oh, I don't want to eat either. So that's why they weren't eating.
1: Right. For some reason, they
0: just couldn't articulate it. It didn't feel good. Yeah. Normal.
1: Yeah. I love that the way you just described that. I think that's such a helpful tip for parents is to notice that fear is normal. That's also the thing that makes you an amazing mother (laughs) is that you want your child to be protected and safe. And that's not the right time to let that fear take front seat, right? That this is really not a risk right now. Kids are very resilient. If they are not, if they're hungry, they're not, they're not gonna shrivel up immediately. And that's a scary idea, right? To like test that line, but that's the reality. If you just hold on, they've got this. They want to survive just as much as you want them to survive.
0: That just conjures up the image of like my kids being grapes and all Yeah, these- like a little raisin. <laughs> I
1: don't want raisins for kids. They're now. not raisins. They're not raisins. <laughs> Yeah. And this is why I think coaching is really helpful because having a place to put those fears and talk through them and to self-regulate as a mother, that's a skill you've never had to practice before until that little baby is in your arms. Like you just you're not able all the time to especially how tired you are and stretched thin to have space for that. So I think if, you know, there's Instagram accounts, um, feeding littles is one I really recommend. They do courses and specialize it's at feeding littles Um, in this. If you can find a coach that would be helpful, you know, surround yourself. You've got Holy healthy mama here. You can surround yourself with people who have your back in this mindset. So it just becomes more natural. So, if people want to apply, they can go to my page at No More Guilt's no dot more guilt's, um, and they can find me there.
0: That all of all of Melissa's information will definitely be in the show notes as well. Because so she is amazing, and you can check out her page and uh, learn a lot from her. More than you've even learned today, which has been <laughs> really all of this ch- changing our mindset as moms. I think it can go a long way. As you would, mm-hmm. you know, you would. Definitely, I don't know what you're saying here. You would say.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. She's <laughs> having my mom brain right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Shoot>. <laughs> All right. So are there, can you list maybe one or two or however many specific things you'd like our moms and bigger bodies to take home from this interview today? Yeah. What do you want them to know?
1: One thing is that is really central for me that I wish someone had said to my mother early in her life um, as soon as they could have, which is that your body is not wrong. That body diversity exists as long as there have been people, there have been big people, small people, thin people, fat people. And there is nothing inherently wrong with that. And it does not always mean that you are unhealthy the same way a thin person may not be healthy just by looking at them. And I really want to challenge listeners, you know, who are kind of thinking like, that's not true. There's a resistance there. I want you to really take a step back and consider what health means to you so that you can organize your behaviors and your actions and your thoughts around that in the body you're in today. That would be number one. There is nothing wrong with the body you have now.
0: Awesome. I love that. I love that so much. The way that you just, you know, it's near and dear to your heart. You love mm-hmm. your mom and you would have never thought of her as a bigger person. And mm-hmm. you just thought of her as mom and you loved her so much. And, you know, applying that to our
1: family. And I saw how she struggled too. And I think that's the part that there were parts of our relationship that were not as developed, I think. And that are now becoming more developed as I'm an adult and I can understand her perspective and I can see in her what she was going through. I think we all have that. Yeah. The connection doesn't have to wait to your kids an adult though, right? You can, you can have that connection sooner if you can find a relationship with food in your body that helps you role model and connect with them better. That's, that's really what I'm wanting is for people to experience that now, not when their kids 30.
0: That's
1: the take home
0: message. There we mm-hmm. go. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, anything else or is that it? No, you're a joy. I'm just so impressed with what you're doing. I love watching how you streamline food preparation in particular. You I saw some posts yesterday where you were just advising everyone on what it's like cuz you know, can we tell them that you what's going on right now? <laughs> that you're holding the baby. You have baby with us. <laughs> edit that out if you need to but I mean really like it's you are so impressive in the way that you run your business and grow your family and connect with dietitians like me I'm just amazed with you too Krista well
0: thank you I appreciate that and I wasn't expecting that that (laughs) all right Melissa well that's it for the interview thank you for chatting all right thanks for listening to holy Healthy Mama. If you loved the show, please leave me a five-star review. It will help with the show's visibility, initial and long-term success, and it will make my heart happy. All right, friend. Love your babies, say your prayers, and eat your greens.